Hello, I'm Tim Robinson, Editor-in-Chief of Aerospace, and with me today is Deputy Editor Steve Bridgewater. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Tim. Uh, welcome to another edition of Aerospace NOTAM, uh, another uh, pod of our regular, uh, regular series uh, in uh, new podcast looking at global aviation, aerospace and space news uh, and what we have upcoming in the next issue of Aerospace, which is September 2023. In the magazine, we cover from GA to space flight, from airliners to airports to air law to EV tolls, all the exciting world of uh, the global aerospace industry. Um, so first off, what, what have we been up to in the uh, past month? Uh, Steve, you've been you've been stateside again, haven't you? I've been stateside yet again. Yeah. Um, the highlight of my year, as always, is my week at Oshkosh for uh, the EIA Air Venture Show. Um, great event this year. Absolutely just top notch from vintage aircraft to kit planes to a, a lot of classic jets there this year. We've got four MiG-17s which flew. Um, uh, MiG-29, Jared Isaacson's MiG-29, that actually flew during the night show um, wow. in format, and a MiG-17 and a MiG-29 both in burner at night was something that I will remember for a very long time. And we also had a MiG-23, which was um, which was really interesting to see a privately owned civilian MiG-23. And, and the MiG-23 obviously has been in the news for uh... It, uh, it has. It, um, it, it's, uh, it flew at Sun and Fun earlier this year, and I think it's done a couple of other shows before Oshkosh, and then from Oshkosh it went to Ypsilanti for the uh, Thunder Over Michigan show, and unfortunately had an engine failure, and the guys in the aircraft banged out the aeroplane, they're okay, they've got minor injuries. Fortunately, aircraft fell and um, didn't harm anybody or any property on the ground. It was a, a something of a lucky escape, but... Um, I guess the, the perils of operating vintage aeroplanes like that, and particularly you know something as complex as a swing wing reheat equipped Russian jet of the 1970s. So I actually spoke to the um, to the owner at Oshkosh, um, Dan Filer, his name is his next A6 intruder pilot, and um, you know we, we we talked about the complexities of operating these things, and he was quite pragmatic. And it was, you know it's. In his eyes, he said it, it was, you know, it was a Russian aeroplane. It was designed to survive. It's designed to operate in austere environments. And he, he wasn't overly concerned over reliability issues. Said it had uh, it had behaved well for him. Uh, he did lose a canopy um, sheet of um, glass from the canopy at Oshkosh, which uh, prevented it doing any public displays, which was a shame. Uh, but they got the canopy fixed and then obviously disappeared off to Ypsilanti. And then they had their problems during the display down there. But, wow. uh, the NTSB report, the preliminary report is just out. It makes interesting reading, actually. They pilot reports that the, the afterburner didn't engage properly during his fly past and then he started to lose power. And uh, he got a guy in the back who was uh, just described by the NTSB as a type rated pilot. And uh, there appeared to be some discussion on board the aircraft as to whether they were going to get back to the field or eject. And the guy in the back pulled the handle in the, the way the MiG-23 set up. If one goes, both go. So uh, the guy in the back, yeah. uh, initiated the ejection for both of them. But the main thing is they're yeah, they're both OK. Um, Dan's got another, I think, 11 or 12 MiG-23s in his hangar back home. He got them from Bulgaria. So he's um, scavenging parts to make a number of flyers from the 11 that he's got. So I've got no doubt that we'll we'll see another MiG-23 at some point in the future. Wow. Well, I know that the, the Red Eagles uh, commander had uh, 
uh, from the you know USAF secret squadron that was uh, that evaluated and and then flew these uh, you know sort of uh, uh, Soviet types, Russian types against uh, uh, you know was in the aggressor role. Um, uh, they said you know I think you were saying it was, it was always it was an aircraft it was always trying to trying to kill him. Yeah. Uh, uh, really, so, you know, treated with respect. So, um, yeah. And I think the, another example of the importance of operating these things with live seats. You know, yes. a conversation yeah. with a couple of guys at Oshkosh who got things like L-39s, strengthening jets about the pros and cons of, of having a live seat. And, um, you know, having been involved with organisations of operators and classic jets in the past in um, in my my career, I, I just... I would have a reluctance to get in an aeroplane, even a straight wing aeroplane like a JP or, or a vampire that doesn't have a live seat. So I think uh, this probably testament that um, yeah, they're there for a reason. Um, right. Well, I, I've been uh, in the past month, I've been um, uh, slightly somewhere less, uh, sorry, somewhere nearer, uh, actually, so in, in London uh, to uh, the, the jewelry, Farringdon and the kind of jewelry, Hatton Gardens, the jewelry centre of uh, Oh. of london as it's well known and um where there's a satellite company um uh, making <laughs> multi-function antennas uh, so this is hanwar phaser this is a uh this is part of a, a giant um uh, south korean uh and they're working uh phased array yeah well you know like the active electronically scanned array radars well hmm. imagine that but for a uh a, a satcom antenna so um uh, obviously kind of flat panel antennas you see them on top of uh top of uh airplanes these days it's not it's not a big thing uh, and obviously starlink you think of starlink uh but what's interesting about this is that it can connect with uh satellites in leo right. or geo or meo so basically you've got this multifunction antenna uh and you can kind of scale it up by adding the sort of square uh transmitter receivers so you can you can have it different sizes it fits on the top of a you know you can, can actually almost conform to the top of a, like a, a an aircraft and um they're making it there they're, they're doing it there um one of the interesting things is is that uh you know it's, it's been aimed at the civil market uh but m- to start off with the military market and obviously the, the whole thing about the military market is uh, um, a lot of interest coming in from the, from the war in Ukraine where if you have a dish or at your command center you're asking for someone to put you know artillery a loitering drone JDAM HIMARS on it you know so there is a, a whole um, you know a, a big driver now is to to make your Make your command centers, make your HQs, make your communications nodes as as unobtrusive and as, as sort of um, difficult to, uh, to to spot as as, as possible. Uh, because yeah, you know, if you a, a big dish says something is important here, please target me. So uh, yeah, really interesting uh, and interesting place to visit. You know, they've got this. They're up in some kind of like hipster. Um, hipster place that has got kind of uh, thing, and then on the roof you go out there and there's a there's like a uh, an antenna there or that, that's pointed out, an antenna rack that they can test it and point at satellites, you know. Um, so uh, I've no idea what the neighbours think they're, that they're doing there. But, uh, but anyway. They can get a good television signal, can they? Yes, yes. They've got a very good television So um, news-wise, it's been a busy month as usual, hasn't it? What, what What's going on around the world? 
we say this every time don't we say it's a busy month but it really has been this month and yeah and and even we went to print a couple of days ago and a lot of the news stories that we've we've got in the magazine have evolved since then but um and one thing that 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 really stuck out with me was something that we've been waiting for for a very long time which was virgin galactic flying yes. their first passengers i know they flew last month with some men of the italian air force on uh, but this was the first effectively civilian space tourism flight and um and we've, we've got a fantastic photograph in the news there were um there was i think an 80 year old uh former british olympian on board um and then a mother and daughter from um was it barbados or somewhere like that Tim? somewhere take you and bob and bob barbada that's it. Um, yeah. Such a, a great photograph of the daughter. I think it's actually a student up in uh, university in Scotland. Yes. And they yeah. won their flights, didn't they, in a, in a charity event. And the look on this girl's look of wonder on her face as she's looking out the window. It just, yeah. for me, it, it sums up space flight perfectly. She, she's she's 18, 18 years old and uh, she's 18 years old studying astrobiology, I think, in, in Aberdeen, if I'm right, if I'm, 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 I'm thinking right. And uh, what an experience yeah. to have at that age. Uh, I mean, oh. I it's the sort of stuff that you know i you could go in there and and, and there's there's various people who are uh, obviously uh, quite cynical with uh, virgin galactic oh it's a rich person's uh, uh, uh you know kind of rich person's uh, you know joy rides for rich people etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. this this is that they, they both won their their flight uh via a, a something called space for humanity outreach and mm-hmm. just having those people on there and sort of like you know that experience is you know the first astronauts from that from you know the first uh okay suborbital astronauts from from that caribbean nation i mean the whole the whole the whole country was going going absolutely crazy you know they had the prime minister on <laughs> yeah. on the live stream um uh, you know you've got somebody in space what what an amazing uh thing to to talk about it, it, it is as you say yeah that that girl what an experience and you know you could see the look of wonder on her yeah, face and you know, yeah. we, we could only hope now that that's inspired her with her career and it's something which um, will have a, a long-standing effect but it's not the only space news this month is it Tim we've um, it, been following uh, the race to the pole the race to the lunar lunar south pole so um, as as aerospace went to press uh, we had two uh, two uh, space probes that were heading for for the for the uh, the, the moon uh, one indian and one russian um, and uh, the indian one had kind of uh, launched uh, for, a, for a while it launched on 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 13, 14th of july it was taking uh, this sort of scenic route. Uh, the Russians tried to go direct and uh, smacked into the into the moon. Unfortunately, twentieth uh, uh, of August they confirmed that they'd. Uh, but uh, India uh, touched down, uh, and their lander uh, on the you know the first the fourth country uh, fourth nation to to land successfully on the moon. Uh, landing on the moon is hard, and la- and doubly so landing near the lunar south pole. Yeah. Uh, with a rover. Um, wow, what an achievement uh, for uh, for India and for I- ISRO. Um, mm-hmm. And um, eight, eight. They also broke a record for the number of people watching a YouTube live stream. Eight point one million people watched that live stream. Wow, wow. So well, uh, um, space yeah. is cool. We know space, space. is cool. And it's yeah. Uh, yeah, evidence, isn't it? You know, with, with and I think 
particularly from a UK point of view, you know, we, we've got so many projects on the go at the moment. I think the UK space industry is something that I think we, as a, a country, we can be very proud of. And I think moving forward, there's going to be some really exciting stuff coming out of the UK. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, but moving to other things in the news, uh, there's a blast from the past, isn't it, with an amphibian or a seaplane making a comeback? Well, yeah, an amphibian. The, the Catalina's back. The cat's back. Um, consolidated PBY Catalina, Mano, World War Two flying boats, um, used in the anti-submarine and search and rescue roles. Um, it's a Florida-based company, which, surprise, surprise, is called Catalina Aircraft. Uh, they hold the type certificate for the Catalina, for the, well, for the, for the PBY-5A variants. And they've revealed they're going to put it back into production. So turboprop-powered, composite construction, looking at, um, they're calling it the next generation amphibious aircraft Catalina 2. Which, uh, it's not the most inventive of names, but I suppose it does exactly what it says on the tin, doesn't it? Um, but looking at uh, either uh, civilian use with 34 passengers or a special use variant for the military. Um, with a £40,000 max takeoff weight um, op- that can operate from rougher water than the civilian version. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, we've spoken in the past about old ideas coming around. You know, the idea of airships has never, never gone away. You know, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a bit later on about regional air mobility. And, you know, there's a couple of people looking in that regional air mobility sector at flying boats. You know, the, the proportion of the earth that's covered in water, why not use it? So um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see the Catalina back and I'm perhaps interested to see how much of a resemblance it bears to its 90 year old cousin. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 90. Uh, amazing. 90 years, old, you know, 90 year old design. And, uh, you know, it can come, but, but there you are with the I mean, the DC3. Uh, I mean, there's still about what, 100, 150 DAX uh, still flying uh, around uh, the world. Be re. re redone with turbo props and uh, yeah uh, at least you know at least 100 150 and as yeah. you say you know basler at, at oshkosh yeah. putting turbo props on them and turning them into a you know a new aircraft and, you know there's no fatigue life on a dc3 it just keeps on flying you know it's an airplane i'm quite familiar with from my time at air atlantique and you know the, the old adage that uh, there's only one replacement for a dc3 and that's another dc3 sounds corny but it's actually true you know, and, you know, look at putting modern avionics and, and modern engines on and the aeroplane itself is very sound. So hopefully the Catalina will have a, a similar sort of, uh, of longevity. And, um, you, so, and, you know, the, 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 the old joke with the uh, Catalina, obviously, is uh, it doesn't have an airspeed indicator. It has a calendar. That is true. <laughs> yes, I've got a very good friend who flies the Catalina <laughs> out of Duxford and I'm sure he can attest to that. <laughs> um, but talking about old ideas we've got something on blended wing bodies as well in the news haven't we this time well it's not necessarily an old idea but it's an idea that's been rumbling around for quite a long time waiting to be perfected so yeah so this is jet zero uh blended wing body um there they have got a they've been given some money by the uh, uscf it's also partly funded privately funded as well to a tune of uh we don't quite know uh, but this is to get a full scale uh, blended wing body tanker transport prototype flying by 2027. Uh, so uh, blended wing bodies, they've been, they've been around for the, the whole, a long time. And the whole idea is uh, maximum efficiency. It's just it's basically yeah. the whole body of the aircraft produces lift. 
so really, really fuel efficient. Uh, you know, 50, they're talking 50%. Uh, you know, 50% fuel efficiency over a KC46. And uh, so the USCF is interested in that because of the the uh, it's a bit like sort of seaplanes as well. And why people are going to seaplanes is uh, um, Indo-Pacific longer ranges and spreading out your assets and making them more difficult to um, to uh, d- you know target, destroy, mm-hmm. catch on the ground in one place. Uh, so longer range, uh, more pay or, or more payload dispersed operations um so so really exciting uh, scale composites obviously we know scale composites well mm-hmm. they're always good for the uh you know kind of uh, composite uh one-off aircraft they're going to be yeah. they're going to be doing the, the the demonstrator uh they're part of Northrop Grumman um and uh you know interesting for that they they and the, the US you know the, when the, the USOF did the, the the Air Force did the briefing they also mentioned um you know commercial spin-offs so that is really uh, could be really significant, and you know the U.S. has now got two, um, you know, f- potential future airliner concepts, yeah. radical, uh, with the truss brace wing, the X-66, which is being built by Boeing for NASA. Now this, uh, which hasn't got a, an X-plane de- designation yet, um, that could could go potentially you know turn into a highly sustainable airliner for the uh, uh you know sort of 2040s uh, mm. onwards you know uh and that that's that's kind of history repeating itself isn't it of uh, the dash 80 yeah. that's right yeah the uh, 707 yeah it's 707. Shot in the arm isn't it yeah and, and and the rest is history you know mm. after after there was there was all this sort of um you know, the the start of the jet age, people were were you know airlines were suspicious about you know new configurations. They were just suspicious, definitely suspicious about jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Comet came along, and it was do you bury the engines? Do you hang them? You know, hang them under the wings? Uh, what are, what are swept wings about anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of false starts. You know, Bristol Brabazon, and uh, you know Boeing Boeing came along with the 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 Dash eighty seven oh seven. KC-135 tanker and, uh, you know, uh, dominated the, the post-war. That was it, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, so um, it's, it's, you're right, it's got shades of that all over again, hasn't yeah. it? I think, you know, as you say, the, the Indo-Pacific climate at the moment is is going to be, you know, a, a boost for this project, you know. And I think the sustainability angle as well is just something yes, which yeah. is, is so essential. And that's another news item I want to pick out on, actually, is that um, we've now got the electric DA-40, the diamond DA-40 that uh, that flew recently. And that was an aeroplane we'd hoped to see at Paris, but wasn't quite ready for the Paris Air Show. Um, but, you know, we, we've seen over the last few years a number of smart startups and, and small operators with um, with electric two-seat aeroplanes. This is diamond aircraft. This is one of the biggest general aviation manufacturers in the world, and they've created a four-seat aircraft. So, you know, when the big boys get involved, I think it's, yeah. it's time to really take notice. Um, and I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how this this pans out. I know they've got a number of orders already for it from flying schools in Germany and around the world. Um, but the DA40 is a really capable aeroplane. And uh, if um, the charging infrastructure is there, you've got the potential now for point to point training, whereas previously electric aircraft have really been consigned to just circuits and bumps the touch and go the base yeah the the very early days of, of, of flight training where you've got something here which has actually got a cruise capability 
for, for NAVXs and things like that. And I think the other interesting point on that, that we've got in the news is that AeroVault here yes, in the UK yeah. started to roll out a network of charging uh, facilities. So the first six are now being rolled out in the south of England, which is Sandown on the Isle of Wight, uh, Bournemouth, Leon Solon, Shoreham, uh, Kitty Hawk in Sussex as well, and Lyd. Um, so we're starting to see that infrastructure come in as well to support these electric aircraft. Um, so I think that that's a, a really important uh, important part of the of the puzzle. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think the the environmental side, the sustainability side, is going to be something which plays big on the uh, the Jet Zero blended wing body as well. And also, I mean, the operating the promised operating costs as well for for um you know, in terms of sort of maintenance and, and uh, you know, recharging and things like that, of all of a sudden, you know, having, having going to your local airfield and all of a sudden somebody's sort of saying, oh, you don't want to go flying and, and it's it's uh, far cheaper than, yeah. uh, you know, than, than, you know, passing the price down to to to, uh, to potential passengers of, uh, oh, right, okay, or, or, or uh, you know, people want to do flight training. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the other thing, obviously, in the news as well, that hit the uh, that hit the news wires just as we went to press as well. Was uh, there's been some movement in Ukraine getting uh, a much uh, much requested F-16s. Uh, they're now going to get 42 from uh, uh, Denmark and the Netherlands. Uh, so Zelensky was in 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 Europe. He was on a tour of Europe. And uh, he was pictured in a hangar somewhere uh, with uh, actually sat in an F-16. Um, and uh, so Denmark are going to fly 19 and uh, 42 F-16 from the Netherlands. Uh, first deliveries uh, at the start of 2024. So this is all uh, obviously been long requested, but it's been held up by, you know, uh, people worried about it. Does this escalate it for, in, you know, in terms of annoying Russia even more or... Um, well, and also that the the US putting a uh, you know holding the final veto of um, yeah we know, we know you're 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 keen to 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 donate these F-16s but um, it's, it's the US that has a veto of a kind of training and things like that and and, and long term support so uh, that's now being clear the US is on board and in fact I think the, the latest uh, thing, thing I, I saw to, actually today was or, or yesterday was that the US is going to uh, happy to provide. Uh, training for Ukrainian pilots, tra- training for Ukrainian ground maintainers. So it's gathering steam. I mean, there's even now uh, uh, the there's talk of uh, you know Ukraine getting Gripens as well. The the, the Swedish opposition uh, party has said that they they might might donate Gripens. So once yeah. <laughs> it's one of the things where uh, once the the the, uh, the tap has been turned, or once once the first person to sort of say uh, yeah, actually they, they're going to have our F-16s. All of a sudden, everyone's yeah. like uh, jumping in, going, yeah, you can have our our, our aircraft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, somebody else um, has made the first move, haven't they? Um, I so. mean, there's a the, there is still a question about whether it is going to be a game changer. I think I think that the, the there is a maybe a little bit of um, you know uh, exaggerated expectations of what f-16s could do because because remember that the u.s doesn't usf vipers don't fight alone they have the whole backup they fight with AWACS. they fight with rivet joint uh they've got all this uh, support stuff going going on there they're, they're part of a, a wider air force but at the very least 
it's going to help with um, attrition because the, the, yes. the, the stocks, the stocks of the ex-Soviet uh, MiGs that were, were, were kind of lying around in places like Bulgaria and, and uh, uh, Croatia and pla- places like that were, where, you, you know, they're going to be donated. And some of them were in pretty rough condition. Uh, we probably we, they've, they've obviously now been exhausted. And uh, so in terms of just getting new aircraft to replace the ones that have been shot down, the ones that have been lost, um, you know, you, you, the go go on to, to Western, air, uh, you know, so Western types anyway. Um, so, yeah, big step there. Well, talking talking about attrition, the other thing that uh, I know we, we, we need to crack on from other things, but the, the one other news item that stood out to me was uh, a story in the Moscow Times about Aeroflot, who apparently ah, yes. say, who are um, deactivating some of the brakes on their airliners because they allegedly because they can't get spares for them because of international sanctions. Uh, I thought that was uh, an interesting uh, development as well. Um, the uh, the Russian newspaper had seen a, a memo uh, saying that uh, warning pilots that the aircraft will tend to turn to the side where the brakes have been deactivated. But you'd think if you're going to deactivate some, you'd do one either side rather than all the same side, wouldn't you? But uh, well beyond my pay grade, that one. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, yeah, but maybe not travelling on 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 Aeroflot at the moment uh, is, <laughs> uh, is 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 wise. If you if you really uh, you know if you can uh, help it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So, uh, what features we got in the, the coming up in the next issue? It's it's a big issue. It's a special issue, um, mm-hmm. and it's a really exciting I- I- issue. Uh, we've had a lot. Of, well, I've, I've certainly had a lot, a lot of fun putting this together, yeah. assembling it, um, and it connects in with a future of flight conference uh, that, a summit that we're having, the President's Future of Flight uh, Summit that's happening in September. So, our our special issue is a future of flight special. So, what what's in it? Start us off. It's a, as you said, it's a packed issue. Yeah, we we've got everything from supply chains and training through to battery technology. A big piece from Daryl Swanson, a well-known name in the um, um, urban air mobility, advanced air mobility uh, sector, looking at the future of connectivity. And uh, I thought that would that was really interesting um, in that. He um, he works with a company called EA Maven, and they have looked at uh, a group of British airfields um, and um, the, the potential links between these. I think it's 32, yeah, 32 airfields from the the Regional and Business Airports Association. So they're they're Rabar Group. So there are 32 airfields in the UK, and they've looked at identifying the highest potential for routes between them, both with advanced air mobility. So things like the the EV toll flying cars in inverted commas, but also electric uh, regional air mobility and hydrogen regional air mobility aircraft, things like the Dornier 228. And it was, there were some really interesting findings came out of that, you know, things like, you know, there, there were out of those airfields, there were 1,050 airport pairs. Yes, that were yeah. And um, they said that 390 of those were identified with at least 96,000 travellers annually. So there's a huge capacity just in the UK for expanding advanced air mobility. What what we generally have thought of as point to point short travel, you know, intercity, um, the, again, the inverted commas flying car into regional air mobility. And as you know, Tim, I was at a conference earlier this year in Dublin, the Revolution Aero Conference, 
And this was discussed in depth there where they said, you know, advanced air mobility is going to be big, but regional air mobility, we think, is going to be a lot, lot bigger. Um, so it was uh, that that's a really interesting article by Daryl. And um, he goes on to do a Q&A with um, with his colleague, colleague Jared. Is it Zick or Zyk? Z-Y-C-H. Apologies for, for the pronunciation, but answering some of the, the, you know, the top questions on this new emerging technology, things like which cities are leading at the moment in terms of advanced air mobility. Uh, you know, are there plans for airline shuttle services? Just so lots of different things. You know, something we've spoken about before, Tim, about you know the use of EV tolls in emergency medical services, EMS type applications. Yeah. And I think we all agree that's probably going to be one of the first areas where we see these new craft because it's it, it's a hearts and minds exercise, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, de- definitely in, in, in terms of public perception uh, there. But also, I mean, you know, you, you get the sense as well that, uh, you know, in sort of questions about um, first commercial AM uh, services is is it is a global race, isn't it, as, as to, to get there? Uh, you know, you've got all these uh, all these developers, all these cities around the world, and everyone's kind of vying to be to be first there and, and to, to get there, you know, to... to uh, to to roll out the first services. Uh, so the other thing we've got there in the the uh, the magazine is a, a kind of a most uh, a countdown or a little bit of a data sheet comparison of uh, some of the, the most promising uh, uh, EV tolls uh, there. They are the flying cat taxis. They're probably the most visible part of it. But where are they? Who's closest? Uh, you know, when when are they aiming for certification and and things like that? So that's a really, I mean, to, to my mind, that's a really useful guide, isn't it? In comparing, uh, um, I've not seen one before of uh, sort of like comparing yeah. like for like, uh, and obviously, you can't um, uh, compare the lot because there's about three hundred, uh, you know, three hundred of these uh, uh, sort of uh, vehicles in development all around the world. Um, Battery technology is one as well, isn't it? Because this underpins uh, a lot of the future of flight, uh, you know, in, in terms of zero emission. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, Rob Coppinger has written an article for us. And yeah, Rob is our go-to guy for, uh, he writes our technical column, uh, pushing the envelope every month. And he's looked at uh, lithium-ion technology, sorry, lithium-ion battery technology. You know, we've had these in mobile phones and laptops for, for, for years now, but there needs to be, uh, you know, a major change in technology till we can create something which has got the durability and also the safety that we need for uh, for flying applications. So he's spoken to people at various universities, Carnegie University, University of Warwick, and um, yeah, just you know examples of of some of this new tech that's coming through. Things like um, having non-flammable liquid electrolytes, which uh, mitigate some of the, the the failures. So you know, mentioning thermal runaway and things like that. It's uh, it's nice to get a real deep dive on something like this because, you know, we've looked at lots of issues with um, advanced air mobility over the months and years, but we keep coming back to battery life, don't we? It's this is the the crucial yeah. thing for this, you know. So you, now that we've got you know um, the University of Oxford looking at uh, lithium metal solid state batteries, um, so you know we've got that that technology breakthrough coming which will enable the range that uh, that we need but also the safety that goes with you know getting these aircraft approved because you know this is a whole new category of aircraft that needs to be certified by the FAA by ASA by the CAA and all the other regulatory groups around the world and 
you know, battery technology and flammability is going to be top of their list. Yeah, well, I mean, the I mean, there was a big breakthrough earlier this year, uh, this year, but reported by Toyota, and obviously they're 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 looking out for their electric vehicles, but something that could could head over to to aerospace as well. Um, half the weight, size, and cost of existing batteries. This is solid state. So yeah. uh, again, you know, and it's it's interesting because the whole, you know, it's it's the aerospace industry that's sort of relying on almost the you know electric vehicle kind of. Um, sector, you know, that the uh, the numbers and the, the volume is obviously, you know, much bigger in, 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 in cars. So you're almost kind of outsourcing a little bit to uh, your, the future to what's happening in, in automotive. But but then you need, as you say, you need the 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 specific aerospace sort of um, uh, safety requirements that, uh, you know, you, you get a fire in your your uh your uh, electric car you can pull over you jump out and you can you can watch the thing burn um yeah but in in the air it's a whole different matter um absolutely and that that actually fits in really well with um yeah we've got an article of supply chain as well yes and you'll agree Tim. what we've tried to do with this feature is to to take a deep dive into some of the areas which are perhaps not really being reported on before so not just the airframes themselves but the behind the scenes so the battery tech but also Paul Adams has, has written an article on supply chains for us, and you know we're we're all aware of supply chain impact in in the aerospace industry at the moment with the big boys like Airbus and Boeing, but you know it's, this is going to affect the advanced air mobility market as well. And one of the points that Paul makes there is that you know the battery tech at the moment is being developed for the road vehicle market, and it's a much much bigger market. So yes. you know the, the the impetus, as you say, the impetus there is to develop the technology to suit the road vehicle because that's where the money is for the battery developers so we need to get on board with this as well to actually make sure that the technology is evolving that we need for uh, for the evtol and, and um aam and ram and all the other acronyms that we've got in this issue it is an acronymtastic issue isn't it but um it certainly is yeah and the, the i think the the one statement that, that paul made which really struck out to me is he talked about they uh, he works for Venn digital and they spoke to an unnamed OEM um, in the uh, the green aerospace sector. And he said their implementation plan relied heavily on the existence of SME-based supply chains. And the study found that to get this up to production, the, um, the, uh, the full rate production of those SMEs needed to increase over a factor of 10 within the next five years just to expect the, meet it, you know, the, the expected demand. So we've got a long way to go with the, um, you know, the, the nuts and bolts, if you like, you know, there's lots. There's been, yeah, yeah, there's been lots of promises made over the years. As you know, yeah, we'll have aircraft in in service by 2025. Well, yeah, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that needs to be done before we get to that stage. Definitely. Um, and the other thing we've looked at, uh, and indeed you've looked at, is is training. Where where are the pilots and the the maintainers going to come from? Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly the point. You know, it, it's looking at that bigger picture. I spoke to Stella Marissa Hughes from CAE um, and um, just a, a, a really great interview from somebody who is there looking at the training requirements for people working in this sector. And that's not just people who are going to fly them, but who's going to maintain them as well. You know, we, at the moment, you know, you 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 get an aircraft, you know, an AMP rating, an airframes and power plant uh, rating to work on aeroplanes, whether they're Cessnas, Pipers, whatever it happens to be. These EVTOL 
advanced air mobility craft are incredibly different. So who's going to um, to be maintaining them? Who are we working with and where are those engineers coming from? Um, but from a flying point of view, she had a, a you know a, a really valid point. You know, at the moment, there's no direct entry routes. If you want to go and fly an eVTOL, this is not like jumping in an Uber and driving an Uber. You know, you are going to in the early days, especially you are going to need a commercial pilot's rating. So there is a pathway from commercial helicopters into flying eVTOLs. But, you know, we all know how expensive it is to learn to fly and to get a commercial rating. So those pilots are going to have a certain expectation of salary when it comes to flying these craft, purely because they've got to repay the exactly, 1800 yes. pounds or dollars that they've invested in their flying training. So, you know, the, the low cost Uber of the air, I think, is, is something that's needs it's, to be looked at in terms of the costs that go with this yeah i mean i think i mean there's already been taught a lot of a lot of talk about this uh about sort of uh you know from the certification well from the regulators uh, 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 sort of a side of things um and yeah i mean is it is it a whole new uh category if, if it's completely and utterly sort of de-skilled um like you say i mean you know the the, the cost there of of getting a, a commercial atp why, why would you go there and in, into into EV tools, uh, being e, be be an aerial Uber taxi driver. If you're going to get paid peanuts, um, and you, you're never going to get, you're never going to pay pay off your uh, your student loans and your, your, your debts. But, but, yeah, but the flip side of that is, is it a way of life? It, you know, it, are you at a point in your airline career where you don't want to be flying long haul? You don't want to be away yeah. for three nights the week. You want to, you know. You know, maybe you've got a family at home and you want to be at home at five o'clock every night when the kids come home from school. Well, that the this sector gives that flexibility. So there's some supposition that we may suck, if you like, people at certain points in their airline careers. And of course, a lot of airline pilots were laid off during during the pandemic and never went back to flying. You know, they they found that you know, the way of life that they have doing another job is far more suited to what they want from life so perhaps those are the people that we can bring back in that have still yes. got, got a valid yeah. commercial license but one of the really interesting points that stella made is that it's because this is a completely new sector you're, you've got operators that don't have an existing affiliation to an airline so they don't have an air operator certificate or anything like that so you've got to establish new hr policies and she actually sees this as a positive so you know, there's a certain hiring culture within some of the airlines at the moment. So this is perhaps an opportunity to move away from that, get away from the familiar old boys club mentality, if you like, and actually have you know a brand new regime for a brand new sector. And yeah. as she pointed out, you know, she, she's um, you know, Stella's in her 30s. And uh, she said a lot of the time she's working in the sector with women of a similar age to herself. And she said it's um it's so different to the previous aerospace sectors where she's worked in, where you know she's almost had to justify her credentials for being there. Whereas you know the the advanced air mobility is already appealing to that younger market, that yeah. uh, that younger credential. So I think that it's a really it's it's a, a concerning article in terms of where people are coming from, but it's actually a promising article in terms of there's a huge amount of opportunity here. Definitely. And the, the other thing we, with the, uh, we've got in here as, as well is, uh, and the issue is regional mobility. So obviously we mentioned that a little bit before, uh, but a lot of um, a lot of the, the uh, projects that are in, in, 
in development are actually looking at kind of uh, what, uh, regional or sub-regional point-to-point travel. You think of people like Heart, Aeros- Aerospace, uh, you think of uh, Evation and Alice. Um, they are, you know, they're, they're looking basically to to have something that is, you know, I don't know, King Air, maybe sized and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Cranfield Aerospace and Britain Norman. Uh, and really sort of exploit that, uh, exploit the smaller airfields, uh, and and also as as you mentioned earlier, seaplanes. You know, people, there's, there's people there with a couple of couple of sort of seaplane or even winging ground effect. Uh, uh, yeah, that's designs. right. You've got think, or, yeah, like the Viceroy, Regent's Viceroy, which is it's, yeah. um, they call it a sea glider, but yes, it seats the old winging ground of the Akranaplan is back. And know, airships. Um, and airships. You know, which, airships. Uh, we come we come full circle yet again, don't we? <laughs> Um, Yeah. And and again, as I said earlier, I think that's going to be a sector to watch because everyone's focusing on advanced air mobility. But I think this regional air mobility is going to be a far, far bigger and more profitable sector. Yeah, I mean, and also the the I mean one I mean the the one thing that also sort of jumps out is is uh, particularly with the uh, the uh, mobility index is is uh, you know sort of the protecting the smaller airports these uh, regional airports these smaller airfields where they are under pressure there's housing developers looking at them there's governments there that want to put um, you know convert them for other uses let's say and um, you know these these could be the these could be key hubs in a new uh, zero emission or low uh, low emission uh, air transport network you know point to point sort of air travel um, yeah. But anyway, and, you know, I, once an airfield's gone, it's gone, isn't it? And yeah, you know, yeah. It's yeah. vital that we've got to pretend. Yeah, you know, we, we've had the saga over the last couple of years with Coventry Airport, which, um, yeah. yeah, ironically was going to be um, closed in favour of putting an electric battery gigafactory on, which hasn't happened. But um, you know, that's there you a, go. an airfield close to my own heart. But it, you know, it's close to the city centre of Coventry. It's prime for regional air mobility. Um, and once that closes, you know, and built on we won't be building another airfield so we've got to protect them now yeah uh, one thing also i mean so we're this is the this is september issue uh I mean, one thing also uh, just to add to that is um um as mentioned earlier this is a, a very new very novel very disruptive field with a lot of new entrants who perhaps haven't got the, the background uh, to uh, a long sort of legacy. Oh, there are, oh, there are uh, big OEMs involved in this, like uh, sort of Embraer and Airbus and uh, Boeing through its whisk. But um, it's one of the one of the key areas where I think where the Royal Aeronautical Society can help play a part in informing in uh, helping craft standards, in being that independent source of knowledge, because, yep. you know, uh, as our sort of, because we're multidisciplinary and this this affects so many different aspects of uh, safety, of uh, flight controls, of ATM, of structures, yep. of, you know, avionics, uh, you know, all our specialist groups. Um, so having, having that expertise on call and be able to plug into this existing kind of global network um i think the, the society has a um you know a, a key a key role to, to you know can play a key role in 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 uh in in, in bringing this helping helping advance this uh and helping advance it safely this is what we were set up to do more than 150 years ago wasn't it 
you know, and, yeah. um, you know, and something you know, we've done repeatedly during the history of flight. And this is the next potential revolution coming through. So, yeah, I, I, I think we, we've almost got an obligation to uh, to play our part and to um, to, to influence as, well, as best we can. All right. So what have we got coming up in uh, upcoming events uh, to, to look forward to? Uh, you might be uh, maybe well off to uh, another eVTOL event on the other side of the world. Yes, Japan this time. Um, I think we get out to Kyoto for the um, Emerging Technologies Forum, which is run by the International Council of Aeronautical Sciences. Um, and again, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, view on the realities of the industry. So uh, not just the the glitzy, glamorous side of, uh, of artists' impressions of new proposed aircraft but actually looking at the logistics which is something which um you know we, we well we both found very interesting compiling this issue and i think it's probably raised so many more questions this issue than um, than we have before so uh, i'm looking forward to going out there and and um asking some questions during the forum uh then we've got obviously got the uh the president's uh, summit future of flight we discussed it before 20 20 to 21st of september uh, so we've got yeah uh, advanced air mobility, regional air mobility. Uh, it's going to be built on sustainable aviation fuels as well. Some really really top level speakers lined up from that from, from all around the world. So uh, I'm going to be really looking forward to, to uh, covering that. We've also got a young professionals conference happening on 8th of September, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, next month is also or uh, is DSCI in London Excel. So that's the big uh, UK uh, defence show. A um, lot of a lot of uh, people already sending out uh, press releases ahead of time and press briefings. So uh, that'll be an interesting one from the point of view of uh, uh, you know kind of developments after Ukraine. Uh, you know, less of lessons from Ukraine and, and where 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 industry is sort of positioning itself. Uh, you know, ahead of you know any next bull. Uh, defense review we've had the we've had the sort of like command paper refresh um, but obviously people are now looking at uh, what's what's further on the horizon um, uh, and then there's also uh, October there's also a structures conference isn't there there is yeah yeah it's all go at four Hamilton place isn't it we're busy yeah uh, busy couple uh, of months coming up uh, and then in November they there'll be the Dubai air show uh, so uh, that's another one in the, in the big big international air, air show and, and exhibition in the calendar and uh the uh, the team will be out there so, so do, uh, do you think tim at dubai will see any ev tolls because we've obviously we've had volocopter flying <laughs> at paris we had whisk flying at oshkosh a couple of weeks ago dubai do you think could it be the uh, the turn for sustainable aviation in the uae uh, well, funny enough, there was a uh, there was an announcement. I think a, a previous Dubai show, pre-COVID, I think was was talking about uh, some kind of uh, uh, some kind of demo with eHang, uh, and it, yeah. it 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 never happened for some reason. So I w- I would, you know, I, I would be kind of watch this space and and uh, mm. yeah, I mean, if I was the organisers, I'd be looking around and saying, who have we got who's near certification who could possibly fly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and uh, eHang, they they are they are apparently kind of uh, quite uh, well along the line to certification. So yeah, I want I want uh, yeah I I I'd, 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 yeah I'd, I'd watch this space. That would be my gut feeling anyway. 
Um, so what have you been what have you been watching this month? And have you been normally normally you've got your head in a book or playing on a, a flight sim or what, what have you been up to recently? Uh, so I'm, I'm reading a, uh, a, a a preview copy of another Roland White um, uh, uh, aviation mm-hmm. book. So this is Mosquito. Um, this is uh, obviously the story of the D. Havlin Mosquito, but it's interwoven with um, about a raid on Gestapo headquarters uh, in uh, in uh, is that, in is that the Denmark. Raid? Yeah. In in Denmark. Uh, oh, okay. So it's um, yeah. Um, really, really good at the moment. I would say, uh, usual up to the usual high standards of uh, Roland, Roland's work, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, mosquito. Who doesn't love that read about the mosquito anyway? Absolutely. How about you? Um, I haven't got a lot of time for reading, but I've been doing quite a bit of watching and listening. Um, this is going to sound like a very gratuitous self plug, but I've been listening to the National Aerospace Library's YouTube channel. Um, there's some brilliant stuff on there which I mean. I wasn't really aware just how much stuff we'd got on that YouTube channel of past lectures and things. But there's a great series on the pioneers of flight, um, which is which is well worth having a look at. If you look at the National Aerospace Library uh, YouTube channel. And I've also been listening to a podcast by a friend of ours called Dave Homewood, who's um, uh, a Kiwi. Um, I know he listens to the show. Um, Dave came over to the UK for about five weeks in uh, June and July um, to do a couple of air shows, but also to research some material for a, a standalone podcast he's got called the Wings Over Britain podcast. And I think he's got about 20 or 30 episodes coming up. I think the, the first eight or nine are online now. Some brilliant stuff. You know, he's done some interviews with Navy Wings down at Yeovilton um, with the guys at Biggin Hill. I spoke to Alan Wynne at Brooklands. Um, so just Dave's got a, a, a very soothing voice good interview style and um so i've been listening to those on my my commute recently and i thoroughly recommend that if you look over the look up for wings over britain on the podcast uh, channels you'll find it on there cool well I, funny enough I, that reminds me i've been flying virtually from uh uh Biggin hill uh-huh. in, in, a, in a dcs uh, campaign so obviously this is a uh, flight sim stuff uh uh, not late 1942 uh, Spitfire campaign uh, with 611 Squadron, and um, so uh, this is obviously uh, this is like a single-player campaign, but meticulously uh, researched in terms of uh, you know kind of uh, it's, take, it's basically taken from actual mission logs right. of, of 611 Squadron in uh, in late 1942, and uh, really really authentic immersive um sort of stuff of uh you know like i say you know you, you're you, you're taking off from big and hill you're flying low you're you know, then battle climbing to altitude you're then flying uh, flying over the kind of coast of uh, france you know it's, it's the, the era of rhubarbs uh ramrods and uh, what was the other one um Anyway, but uh, you know, a, a trailing, you know, leading into France uh, was the uh, was the sort of uh, you know kind of uh, the, the watchword, and uh, you know, you're, you're constantly looking at your fuel, you're constantly watching out for enemy fighters, and uh, the last mission I played was uh, was pretty immense because I, I I turned the settings down to to reduce the number of aircraft in the air because mm-hmm. uh, I said uh, you know uh, this one might be a might be a bit big. And uh, we were the, the mission was to intercept a not intercept uh, escort a uh, a B-17 raid uh, okay. and 
literally the sight of those like a whole you know kind of b-17 squadron stacked up in the air mm. and you're flying around and, and it was it was just one of the things where you looked at it and you went oh my god that that's you know imagine if you were doing you know that the the sheer power of the eighth yeah. air force you know in in a, in a microcosm you know I, i'm there with you know in, in this simulator i'm looking there uh you know our little squadron is is, is 12 uh you know 12 uh, and then you see this huge big big uh you know and this was turning the settings down and wow. uh, the, these b-17s sort of you know so they're all contrailing and stuff and you're like you know you, you're looking at that going that is that is air power you know imagine imagine seeing that imagine being on the ground and seeing that coming coming your way and going that this you know being, being a german uh aa gunner looking at that going wow you know the, the, there's no way we're going to win after that you know no no <laughs> <laughs> um and it, it's just yeah it's it's just it's just the, the point you know there's, there's there's missions before it where it's, it's kind of ones and twos and, and 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 you just sort of see that and it's like i i just looked around yeah the americans have arrived <laughs> <laughs> wow um so yeah a brilliant history it, it's, it's it's like a living history you know kind of uh living history sort of uh, interactive museum um so, so anyway so, so what are you what are you flying in this is it spitfire nine or spitfire five nine or? yeah spitfire nine. nine okay so uh so late 1942 uh early 43 um but yeah very immersive Right. Okay. Uh, so I think we're about up to the uh, up to the hour. So uh, I'm gonna, we're going to uh, uh, sign off now. But first, where can people uh, keep up to date with uh, the RES and the, the magazine? Well, we've got our own website, as you well know, rssociety.com, where we do our twice weekly insight blog. Um, so uh, keep an eye on that twice a week. Um, from social media, we're also on LinkedIn and on Facebook and Twitter uh, as Aero Society. And on a personal level, you'll find me on Facebook as Stephen with a PH Bridgewater. Uh, even if we're not friends, you can see a lot of my photographs from uh, Oshkosh on there. So if you're interested in seeing what went on out there, give me a follow on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter at R-A-E-S Steve B and also now on Blue Skies with the same logon. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, as we say, I was just about to sort of say, correct you there and say it's not Twitter anymore. It's obviously X. Um, oh, yes. Of course. <laughs> um, so I'm still on I'm still on Twitter there. We'll see how that develops. Uh, but, yeah, we are on Blue Sky uh, as both of us are on Blue Sky with the, the same uh, handle there. So if you if you're on if you if you if you get a, a, an invite code to to go on Blue Sky and you want to find us, uh, I'd suggest, uh, you know, look up the usual suspects look up aviation uh you'll probably track us down that way uh we're not we're not we're not that difficult to find but uh, anyway well it's uh i think that's 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 it from us so uh see you next time see you next time okay goodbye